getting a sense of the whole body rooted and grounded opening out and up back of the body upright stable steady Sometimes it might feel as if we can actually lean into the back of the body. Rest back into the back of the body. Front of the body open and opening. I'd feel it in particular in the face, the neck, the chest and heart area. The belly. Shoulders relaxing, letting go. So awareness spread through the whole body, feeling the whole body. Uprightness and vitality, energization of the back of the body. Softening and opening of the front of the body. And a space of awareness including the two, including the whole of the body. If it's helpful, you can open to the breathing, moving and flowing through this field of awareness that's spread and expanded through the whole body. A whole sensitive space. And within it, the breathing flowing and moving.
So the object of meditation for this practice time might be that whole body awareness, balance of uprightness and openness. Might be the breath as it flows through the space of the body. For whatever reason, the body, the breath, is not a useful or safe space for you, then you can use sound. Just taking a few moments to clarify for yourself what's the meditation object for this time, what feels accessible. and useful. Once you're clear, that's where we'll bring attention, that's where we will return it when the mind drifts away. That particular object, the breath moving through the body space, space of the body itself, the field of awareness in the body. Or sound if that's the object you've chosen. Particularly, the invitation is to see if you can tune in to what is good enough in your experience right now. It might be something in the whole body or in the breathing, if that's your object, or in the hearing, if it's sound. Maybe just the sense of the wholeness of it. Might be a particular aspect that feels like that's good enough. So if you're with a breath, maybe it's the particular moment or part of the out breath or the in breath. You can really station yourself and feel that enoughness that contentment. And so within the breath or the body or the hearing, what's good enough right now? Can I open to that? Can I prioritize tuning into that in the field of experience right now? And playing a little bit for yourself to see what works, relaxing into it or softening into it. Maybe expanding around it or with it is what kind of increases the intimacy, the contact. And 
for some it might be a particular verbal reminder that's useful. Light verbal noting like good enough. Contentment. Or anything else, it might just be this. This. So clarity around the meditation object and then tuning in to what is good enough right now in your experience within that object of meditation that you are working with, playing with. I think if you can tune in to that enoughness, to that contentment, What can bring you more into contact with it, opening to it, softening with it, expanding around it and with it, just exploring for yourself.
Just noticing what's happening in awareness right now. And doing that with kindness and with interest. The mind has wondered, that's quite natural that it will do that. And we can just acknowledge, the oh, mind has moved. Mind has moved. Gently coming back. Tuning in to the object of this meditation practice. Wide body awareness with that aliveness and uprightness and that openness. The breath flowing through the awareness in the body, through that field of awareness or sound. Tuning in gently to that object again. And then with it, within it, in relation to it, seeing what's good enough. What's good enough right now? Can I drop in that question and open to something that's good enough right in this moment? as it is, softness of the breath, the openness or uprightness or balance in the body space. The hearing, just the hearing. Tune into that and open to that. And come back to that. Whatever is good enough right now. Can I open to it, soften into it, expand around it, meet it? This good enough, this contentment, can I stay in touch moment after moment with that which is already good enough in my experience?
what's present in your experience right now. Is there a deepening into contentment and ease? Or is there a pull, this habitual movement towards what is missing or not okay? Can we acknowledge, can you acknowledge whatever is here? Come back. Deepen into and with your meditation object. And with whatever is good enough right now. Into whatever contentment is available right now. Softening into it, tuning into it, letting the whole space of awareness in the body be filled with contentment, letting the whole space of awareness be held in enoughness. In good enough.
in a moment when the bell rings. And keep that thread going. As we transition from one form of practice to another. And we stay tuned in to what is good enough. Stay in contact with that. So thank you for your practice. And before we move into some reflections, some Dharma reflections, I'd just like to say a few words about Dana practice. So as you know, these sessions are offered in the spirit of Dana, of free offering. No price to join. That's uh, very much how the teachings are transmitted and at these times in particular how Gaia House has chosen to, to offer these. And so there's the invitation um, for those who are uh, able and moved to, to offer support back, yeah. offer support to Gaia House so that these sessions can continue to be offered. Uh, and to offer support to the facilitators, in this case me, myself, um, so that we can continue to offer these sessions. And so sometimes, you know, I was re reflecting on this today, um, we can really feel the, um, this kind of practice, the practice of dana, the practice of um, participation and of support, uh, we can feel it as a practice of acknowledgement of what is of, of the goodness in the world and of our part in it, our part of keeping it going. Oh, this is something I value, therefore I wish to support. And so I'll also just add to that that dana is a beautiful and valuable practice and um, it's not related to an amount. So it's not measured by how much, <laughs> yeah. It's measured by the movement of the heart, yeah, of the being. And so um, there's different, you know, there's a lot of us here and there's different circumstances between us. Yeah. It was really helpful to remember that when we come together. And yet we can all take part according to our circumstances and we can know 
that whatever we have to offer is good enough. And that between us, you know, the Dharma continues to be supported as it has been for 2,600 years in this way. Yeah. It's a gift that's been given to each of us. And um, it's a gift that we keep on offering to the world. So I'm just going to put the links into the chat. Um, there's two links there. One um, is uh, to Dependent Origination website where um, there's information on how to offer dana to me if you wish to offer it directly to me. Um, and the other is the Guy House support link where you can offer support to Guy House. Um, or if you wish to offer support to, my, to me as well through that, you can. So, there they are. So, I want to offer some reflections um, that may be particular to this time of year. Um, you know, that of course go way beyond that, but I find this, I find this time of year really interesting. Um, every year, <laughs> but maybe this year more. Um, and I feel like it brings up, quite strongly, it brings up questions for us, which are, you know, questions that Dharma teachings encourage us to, to ask and to explore. And it brings up questions around... Um, about around happiness, yeah. it brings up questions around um, peace and well-being. It brings up questions around giving. Um, it brings up questions around um, mutuality, shared experience rather than individual. And there's this phrase in the teachings, you know, that these teachings and these practices, they go against the stream. <laughs> so, you know, we can see that in different ways. They go against the stream often of the habits of our own mind and heart, yeah, very much. You may have experienced it in the practice just now, <laughs> how difficult it is to find or to stay with what is good enough. Yeah. That's going against the stream of the conditioning of our minds. Yeah. It's not what we. It's not the habits that that most of our minds have. Um, so it's it's going against the stream of 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 the uh, personal yeah, conditioning. Uh, but sometimes um, amidst this uh, Christmas frenzy, as I like to call it, um, we can also feel for some of us that we're going against the stream of um, of society, yeah. perhaps might not be true for, for all of us. Um, so the questions that, that come up for me and that I'd like to, to explore around this is, you know, this, this kind of meeting point, yeah, between uh, being part of a culture, of a society, yeah, or of a family sometimes, yeah, or of a group of friends, yeah. which may have kind of one type of momentum and then honouring also our own sense of integrity or maybe of what matters. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm opening that up, you know, there may, there's probably a, 
a range of, of how we feel about, about this time of year and how it is for us and what it's like for each of us. And there may be a particular range that's coming up this year. Yeah. Because um, this might be a time of togetherness for us and, and we're actually maybe feeling alone. Yeah. So there's kind of all kinds of angles that we could look at this through. Um, but my kind of what I'd like to bring is really this inquiry into um, to these questions around happiness, yeah. around giving, around peace, and around how we are connected to others, in what ways. So I'd like to kind of use a very short um, quote from, um, from the Dhammapada. One of the, the texts which are attributed to the Buddha. Um, this is verse 204, in case you want to take note of that. Dhammapada, verse 204. And it's a, I, I've kind of made a mishmash of a few translations to, to, kind of, uh, to my own liking, so you won't find this exact um, translation, uh, probably. Um, but kind of what it speaks to is the clarity the Buddha had you know, in his teachings about what really matters and what really brings well-being and happiness, a trustworthy happiness. And so here's what he said, and uh, it's quite short, so I'll put it into the chat after I read it in case people want to keep it. So really simple, health is the greatest good fortune. Health is the greatest good fortune. Contentment is the greatest wealth. Trustworthy friendship is the greatest kinship, yeah, intimacy, closeness. A liberated mind brings the greatest ease. I'm just going to put it into the chat so that if you want to, to keep it. And I probably even changed it as I was reading it. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me, as I said, it's like my own mishmash. But, you know, not, not far from the, from the, you know, certainly the, the sentiments, just slightly different words. So health, the greatest good fortune. Contentment, the greatest wealth. Trustworthy friendship, the greatest kinship. A liberated mind brings the greatest ease. So how does this relate to us in our lives, and particularly in these times um, that we're living in? And so the first, um, that first line, you know, health is the greatest good fortune, uh, it doesn't exclude periods of ill health. Yeah. I hope that's clear. <laughs> yeah. Some of us here are living with ill health, yeah, even chronically, right? So it doesn't ex exclude us from that good fortune. Um, what the Buddha's pointing to here is appreciation and gratitude yeah. for any degree of health that we have. Yeah. Appreciation and gratitude for any degree of health that we have, for any moment of um, physical and mental well-being that we have. Yeah. Noticing that, seeing that, appreciating that, bringing gratitude to that, seeing that good fortune that is there. Uh, someone was just saying to me recently they'd had a really bad flu for about 10 days and you know they'd just gotten back to kind of pretty normal yeah. 
and and they were saying, ah, you know, when you're kind of more or less okay, <laughs> yeah, there's no, you know, that was their experience, but I really resonate with it. I know that for myself. Um, you know, there's no sense of appreciation for that. And it's only when I get sick and then I recover from that, yeah, that I kind of think, oh, this is, this is fantastic, you know. <laughs> I actually get up in the morning and I've got a reasonable amount of energy. Yeah. So that noticing yeah, and appreciating yeah, those moments, yeah, those aspects of where there is um, relative okayness in, in the health or more than that. And so we forget this, yeah, we go about, you know, probably I know for myself, and I'm sure it's for this person who told me this last week, you know, by the next week we forget again. Or I forget again, certainly. <laughs> and so the teachings are reminding us, you know, encourage us to remember and to pause and to appreciate, you know, whatever degree of health there is right now, whatever degree. Can I bring appreciation to that? Can I even rejoice in that? Can I notice it? And whatever degree of ill health there is, can I bring compassion? Can I bring care? To that. There's a real reminder there with the teachings. And that second phrase, um, which, you know, I, I just love, you know, and it's it's not unique to Buddhism. <laughs> it's probably something like this exists in any religion and spiritual tradition. Contentment is the greatest wealth. Yeah. Contentment with what we have, contentment with what is here. Yeah. There's a real resource that strengthens us to act and to care. And it's really important to... Um, differentiate here. This isn't about complacency. This isn't about, oh, this is good enough. (laughs) So, you know, I'm not going to aspire to anything more for myself or for the world or for those that I care about. But it's really this resource. There's actually enough. There's actually enough here. There's something here that I can be content with and about. What Im- how does that impact? What impact does that have on my experience when I can open to that, when I can see that? There's a, a sutta I was reading today, kind of inspired this talk where the Buddha's describing one of his um, kind of oldest um, disciples to the other monks and nuns, and he kind of saying, you know, this guy, you know, He's content whether he's got, you know, a new robe or a tattered old robe. He's content. Whether he's got nice food on his arms round or no food or horrible food, he's content. <laughs> he kind of goes through the, the kind of a few different basic things like that. and He's content. So just, you know, when we reflect on that, we kind of think, oh, what a wealth that would be. <laughs> yeah. To have that, and when we look at the world, when we look at our societies, yeah. we can see um, that too many of us 
Yeah? Too many of us are obsessed with what we haven't got. Yeah. Are obsessed with what's not enough. And our whole economy is structured around this, you know, this sense of lack, of not enoughness. And so we can explore for ourselves, all of these are, you know, all the teachings are practices, they're all invitations to explore and see for yourself. Yeah. What happens when I bring, up, bring in a mind state of abundance, yeah, of contentment, of in, enoughness? What opens up? Someone wrote to me, um, this also last week, a lot of things happened last week. Um, someone wrote to me and, and shared this project that they've um, created, which is called the Green Sabbath Project. The Green Sabbath Project. And it really speaks to this sense of contentment. It's beautiful. Yeah, Green Sabbath Project. Look it up. Not now. Later, <laughs> if you're interested. Um, and basically the encouragement is to have this sense of abun abundance. So to take a day a week, which, you know, can be the, sa the traditional Sabbath, you know, Saturday or Sunday, depending on what um, religious background you come from or you, you, you want to go with, um, or any other day. I have a friend who does that on Wednesdays. Um, any day of the week and you decide, this is my Sabbath. This is the day when I relax into simplicity, yeah? When I let go of this mind state that needs to do and get, yeah? And I have a day of rest. Yeah? I have a day of rejuvenation. I have a day of detoxing from the digital world as part of that. Yeah. Of course, you can design your own. I'm just telling you what their project is like, what their invitation is like. I have a day of rest from using um, fossil fuels yeah, unnecessarily, so I don't drive, I walk or cycle or stay close to home. Yeah. So stepping back from uh, the treadmill, which actually allows us to enjoy. Yeah? This is really about contentment, yeah? seeing, okay, what's here to enjoy? Yeah, not looking, what can I do, what can I get? Actually, what's here to enjoy? What's here to uh, support me in rejuvenating and replenishing both my own resources and the resources of the planet? Yeah. And again, if we look at ancient traditions, many of them have this. Yeah, it's part of the cycle of life. I'll come back to Judaism, my religion of origin. Yeah. There's a beautiful custom there where um, every few years, it's between, I can't even remember anymore, but something like between five or seven years, there's a year yeah, where people are not supposed, they're not allowed, according to religious law, to um, cultivate the land. Yeah? It's a year of rest for the earth. It's brilliant. <laughs> what an idea, you know. It's absolutely brilliant. A year of rest for the earth. Yeah. So the earth can replenish itself. Yeah? And the beings that share the earth with us, they, they have more sovereignty you know, over the, over the, the fields. Um, of course, you know, in our day and age, they've found ways around this. 
So the whole, the whole country here in Israel sells its land, its agricultural lands to some kind non-Jews and then carries on cultivating the land because it's not in their name anyway. But anyway, we've gotten too, we've gotten too clever. Yeah, we've gotten too clever. But if we go back to these themes of contentment, yeah, of abundance, of rejuvenation, we can see what does that do? What does that do? So sense of contentment, the greatest wealth, and then trustworthy friendship, the next one. Trustworthy friendship. That's a great practice for us. Acknowledging where does that exist in my life? Yeah, where does that exist in my life? How can I further nourish it and cultivate it? Yeah. And how can I increase the circles of friendship? Yeah, with aspects of myself that need befriending. Yeah. So trustworthy friendship includes friendship with our, with ourselves. So with different aspects of myself, with those close to me, yeah, both geographically, physically, and emotionally, and with those further away. What happens when I have that as an aspiration? So seeing where does that already exist, where can I nourish it and cultivate it more? I think we all know, we all acknowledge, you know, we know how important this is. Trust and friendship. And then the liberated mind as the greatest ease. Yeah. The liberated mind. And the original text says Nibbana. And Tanisha Rubriku translated it as the liberated mind the greatest ease, yeah. the liberated mind, the mind and heart of metta, of friendship, of care, of compassion, the heart and mind of clarity and wisdom, yeah. the heart and mind that sees through habits and conditioning, and that can discern between what brings well-being to ourselves and others and what brings the opposite. So liberated mind, greatest ease. And, and we all have a taste of this. It can sound really lofty. <laughs> liberated mind, oh, that's somewhere over there, you know. But we have tastes of it. When we're at ease with the unfolding of experience, yeah, when we're content, yeah. when we feel friendship and trust, either um, you know, offer that space of friendship and trust to others or receive it, yeah. when, we, when we feel appreciation and gratitude, yeah. all of these are flavors of the liberated mind. Yeah. So we have a taste of this. Yeah. and we can cultivate it further that's what we do in the practice and we can bring all of these yeah, so 
As I said earlier, all these teachings are practices. Every teaching is a practice, not separate. We can bring these into our practice on the cushion and within our lives more and more, just like we did in the practice now. Just by tuning in to what's good enough. Simple question. Not always easy. Yeah. I think what's good enough? You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know. You know. And so that's our practice. We see that. Yeah. And we soften, we relax, and we tune in. And what's good enough right now? Maybe the temperature in the room is just good enough. Maybe the sensation in my elbow is good enough. Maybe the kind of vibrancy of just hearing is good enough. So we play with that and we explore. And we can also really direct it in the way we attend to our experience. Mm. Appreciating. So we can expand this sense of health, appreciation for health, to appreciation of this body, heart and mind. Whatever is healthy in this body, heart and mind, whatever is okay in this body, heart and mind, we can appreciate it, we can bring gratitude to it. Some of you were on the retreat, Nathan and I were teaching, um, it's already more than a week ago, I think, Um, but I I kind of had this memory on the last full day of the retreat, and I already told this story in the the talk that day, so apologies if you've heard it, but when I was reflecting on this, it came up again, appreciating this body, heart, and mind. I had this image of, um, from this uh, film, One Giant Leap, um, where there's the interview people all over the world and they ask them all kinds of questions. And at some point they're, they're interviewing um, some people in, in the US. And one of them, um, he says, you know, every day I stand in front of the mirror. And you know, he's probably in his 50s or 60s. And doesn't conform to common ideas of, you know, what, what is attractive or beautiful um, necessarily. Uh, to conventional ideas. Anyway, he says, every day I stand in front of the mirror and I look in the mirror and I say to myself, I love you, man. And my wife, she thinks I'm crazy. You know? But I do it anyway. Yeah. And so that, kind of, we can bring that into our practice. Yeah. And we can stand in front of the mirror or look at our hand um, or whatever it is that we, you know, feel gratitude or appreciation towards and say, I love you, you know, I love you foot, (laughs) you know, I'm grateful to you, you know, eyebrow, I appreciate you back, you know, or the totality, I love you, woman, so we can, we can find our own ways of doing that. But it's a practice we can do. And just seeing the smiles on your faces now, even those of you who've already heard this story, it's fantastic. Yeah. And we see what it does. 
Yeah, we see what it does, we can feel it. So we can bring that actively. Formal practice on the cushion, beyond the cushion, practice in our lives. We can bring, actively bring contentment into our lives, rejoice in what we have. Rejoice in what we have with this body, heart and mind. Rejoice in what, in what we have, you know, as far as um, relationships or, um, you know, shelter yeah. or food yeah. or medicine. Yeah. You can bring a sense of, you know, abundance and enoughness on the cushion, off the cushion. And we can share that with others, as, as I just did, as that guy just did in his story, you know. And then, and then you know, you, so many of you responded. Yeah, it touched you. So we can share that with others. Yeah? We can rejoice in the good qualities of others. That's a big one. Yeah. Oh, I really, really, you know, and sometimes you might feel like it's embarrassing to say, but you can just be there. And just think it or feel it. I really, I really appreciate the way you're listening to me right now. I really appreciate the way, you know, your eyes spark up when you talk about your dog, you know, know, or or whatever it is, you know, you can just, even if it feels like, no, no, like, it's not the right, you know, too much to say it out loud. We can feel it, we can think it. Maybe we can say it. What happens when we say it? And someone did the opposite with me a few days ago. Um, they said to me, um, I really want you to talk, uh, with, that when you mention me, you have that light in your eyes as when you mention this other person. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Because it was in a context where we're you know, we're in a group that's kind of trying to build bridges. It was so beautiful. You know, such vulnerability. Also, to say, I really want you to. When you speak about me, I really want that light to be in your eyes. Mm-hmm. That appreciation of that quality of friendship. It's tying us into to friendship. So we can rejoice, yeah, and appreciate and be content and feel the abundance of the goodness in others, of what we value in there, what we appreciate, what we're grateful for, both people that we know we're in contact with and people that we don't know. So important to keep that going. When we keep this going, yeah, we keep it going in the world. And so as we do this, we're cultivating trust and we're cultivating friendship. And we're cultivating the capacity to see with kind eyes. So important. So meaningful. We're cultivating trust in goodness. When we see goodness in ourselves, when we see goodness in others, we're cultivating our own trust in goodness. We're cultivating friendship. And this allows us to also bring up the challenging. I was with one of my good Palestinian friends um, this week uh, out on his on some of his land, which is being really impacted by um, by the settlements nearby, 
And, you know, we were just spending the morning together and having breakfast and talking. And at some point, you know, I, I said, I felt, oh, right now is the time to tell him something that's going to be difficult for him to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I told him, you know, I'm meeting with settlers now. I'm going to these meetings with settlers to try and build bridges, to try and build understanding as part of my own practice. It was really hard for him to hear. Yeah. He got angry. But that also builds trust. This is why I'm telling you the story. Sometimes it's seeing the possibility. I can tell you something that we, you know, that is going to be difficult for you to hear. And I don't know if it's the right thing or the, <laughs> or the wrong thing to do, you know. But I want you to know. I want, us, I want there to be openness between us. And I trust our friendship. Yeah. I trust our friendship. So this also builds trust. Right time, right place. Yeah. So cultivating trust and friendship, seeing with kind eyes, being willing to listen to things that are difficult, being willing to speak that which may be difficult. All of that yeah, builds kinship, yeah. builds closeness. opening to the possibilities of the liberated mind. This is also a big one. <laughs> that it's possible, and that it's possible for you and for me. Mm. So looking at ourselves in that way and looking at each other in that way. Yeah. Buddhas to be. Mm. So what happens when we look at ourselves when we look at each other in that way. Mm. What happens to the sense of possibility and what happens to the sense of commitment that we have to the practice, to what's possible through the practice. What happens when we take time to savor and acknowledge the fruits of our practice, those moments when there is ease, when there is contentment, when there is friendship, when there is clarity. Mm. So important to acknowledge the fruits, to celebrate them. Mm. And so this is, um, it's powerful for each of us and it's powerful for our societies. And I, I want to go back to that going against the stream that I started with. Yeah. So these teachings, these practices, yeah. They're going against the stream, against the stream of our own personal conditioning and habits, and against the stream of, for most of us, the societies that we live in. Yeah. Going against the stream. And this powerful reminder that our commitment to them, our embodiment to them in whatever way is possible for us, you know, just sitting there and looking at someone and thinking, oh, Buddha in the making. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I love the way your 
eyes light up when you talk about your dog, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. We're acknowledging the goodness that's there in the other. When we do that, yeah, when we do that, we're going against the stream and we're bringing about change yeah. in our own hearts and minds and in the societies that we're part of. Yeah. And we're embodying, yeah, embodying the change that we wish to see in the world. Embodying that which really matters. Friendship, trust, contentment, appreciation for the body, the heart and the mind, and freedom. So that's what I wanted to share today. Let's just uh, let's just have a a quiet moment together to bring the talk to a close, and then we'll have some uh, time for questions if any arise.